Hi friends, you're listening to Identity Soup and I'm your host, Lauren Rusconston. Identity Soup is a podcast blending stories, neuroscience, psychology and spirituality to support you in deepening your understanding of both the concept of identity and your own lived identity experience. Our episodes will increase awareness, validate experience, raise important questions and spark imagination all with the intention of making it easier for you to show up a little bit more yourself and embrace more of the key ingredients that go into your identity soup. Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Identity Soup. So a bit of a theme is emerging with these which makes sense given this show really is a soup in all of the ways But what I mean is the structure, the setup, how this episode came to be, and the fact that it is, again, unlike any of the others that came before it. So today we have another epic human joining us in the kitchen, Matthew Hayes, who is also known as Coach Matt. And he is an identity and results coach who helps individuals couples and organizations find their truth. And he comes at it with a background in spaceflight research for NASA, and he merges both science and emotional intelligence to create a new environment for growth that speaks to both the head and the heart. So science and identity? Could anyone be a better fit? (laughs) Uh, But alongside being someone I instantly knew I wanted to bring into the kitchen when starting this show, he also happens to be a really good friend. And funnily enough, so this conversation started as a catch-up. So it's a Wednesday evening, I have a glass of wine in my hand, um, and we haven't been able to speak for a few weeks, so decided to, yeah, jump on Zoom and just catch up on all of the things. And I did know that I wanted to try and figure out our episode. I knew I wanted to record something with him um, and he knew that too when we were going to talk about it but we started talking and we've joked about this before about needing to record our chats as they almost always come back to identity. Being the people that we are, the perspectives that we have, the work that we do, it's where it almost always leads us back to and it happened. So We decided to just press record and see what happens, which is what we did. So you might notice that at the beginning of the audio, you are literally just eavesdropping on our Wednesday night catch up. And then when Matt starts talking about the work that he's doing and choosing, and I start picking up on some of the similarities and the correlations between what he's talking about and past conversations we've had on this show, I was like, oh, no, 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 this is it this is the show and I have no idea where it leads us, but let's just press record and see what happens. And that's what we did. So stay on to the end. It's a really, really great conversation. And today's tool is actually an amazing reframe that Matt shares about triggers, a way to start thinking about the experience you have when your body and your mind gets triggered. And it's brilliant. And honestly, I haven't really been able to stop thinking about it. So I will stop rambling on and um, yeah, let's get into it. Enjoy. As you were sharing like how you were seeing things and like all of that, what 
came up for me was like, that is why there's so much value in like what I'm now starting to call like identity engineering, like designing your identity and like literally mapping it out and just choosing who is it, who would you want to be? Right. And, and with that concept comes like the declassification of emotion and the skill set. Right. So then it becomes like, it's not this like big emotional draw to like change who I am. It's just like a matter of shifting the code in the computer program. Like it, there's not an emotion to it. It's like, oh, if I want to change how the screen looks, I, I change it from a, I don't know how to do coding, but I changed the line to say something different. Right. Like, <laughs> um, and like applying it as like a skill set of identity engineering. So that's why, as then you were later sharing and you were like, I get to this space of where I fragment myself. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is the perfect, like fra- our fragmented self and like engineering and those two ideas coming together because engineering of, a, of an actual thing is bringing pieces together in a certain way to design mm-hmm. something that works in a certain method. Right. So when you think about like fragmenting and compartmentalizing ourselves and our different pieces, and then it's like, okay, this whole thing now starts to take full circle of mm-hmm. well, this part here and this part here. We can kind of un- untie the wires on this one and see like, oh, well, why does this do this? Or how come this one short circuits whenever we flip the switch on this side? Like, and like, it's just, you can detach the emotional side and make growth a lot less uncomfortable right it's going to be hard like it's going to be like it takes work it's going to like you have to diagnose the problem like it takes energy and effort but it doesn't have to be a grueling sad hurtful process like when you look at it as a skill set of i'm just developing who i am like the same way i want to build a chair like i pull the pieces together i learn how the pieces work and then i design it and like I don't feel, I yeah, I, I don't know. It, it just, no, no, no. It makes, it's so funny. Cause it's, it's essentially how like the framework I use with clients and, and coaching is no choose and own. And that middle piece is choose. And it's funny cause the episode I recorded, uh, that will be hopefully next, well, basically the one I just recorded that ideally I'd love to sit before hours it's talking more about the choosing piece, right? And it's talking about exactly what you said, how we can um, quite methodically design who we are based on becoming aware of the thoughts that we currently have and the patterns that we have. And from that place of intentionality, choosing what we decide, like what we want to stick, what we want to lean into more, what we want to release. And then cultivating the habits and the behaviors and the emotions that come with it. But I think what's like interesting in that, like even which is what I say of like the nuances that is the awareness that it is so tied to emotion. Like it is so tied to, in the same way that we have like 90% of the thoughts that we think every day are the same as the ones we thought yesterday. We have the same with like, it's the emotion. Emotions are the the language of the body and the thoughts, the language of the mind. And like, so there is a piece about emotions that is really big because it's, learning how to get intentional with our emotions in the same way that we do with our thoughts. It's crazy. Um, um, yeah. I was just on a call, like when, when we hopped on, right. And I just hung up, I was talking mm. to one of my old clients who's now a coach 
And we were just talking through some conversations she had had with people that she was a bit confused about. She was, you know, people were talking about how confidence and humility couldn't coexist. And she was like, I don't feel like that's right. Like that doesn't feel true. And we're just talking through and having Mm. just like general combo and just exploring thoughts. Um, And I got to some point, I shared something with her and I was like, yeah, I, I don't really use, I'm not that patient. Right. Oh, she said, like, I don't know how you have like all these in-depth conversations with people all the time. Like it's exhausting. And she was like, you must, you must be so patient. I was like, I'm not patient at all. Like, I I don't, I rarely use patience. And she was like, what, what do you mean? I was like, I I have patience. I have patience. I just don't use it often. Right. I have running shoes upstairs. Like I just don't use them often. Like, and, but what, I'm sharing that for is because of what you just said is like, you have to be able to know and identify all the parts of your emotional like framework and capacity, and then having the intentionality to choose what you're using. Like, I don't just, I don't just react. I don't just respond in certain ways. Like I know I could be more patient and I decide not to be, and I'm okay with the consequences of that because that's who I'm choosing to be. I love that. The intentionality. Yeah. Like I could change it if I wanted to, like I could go, I could go run a mile right now if I wanted to, like, but I don't want to like, and then mm. that's my choice. <laughs> Which is so empowering. Like just that, that awareness of, of, yeah, of choosing. Right. And like, it's funny because the episode before we were talking about shadow and that, I think there's also a piece in there of, being so compassionate with yourself that you also are aware of the like quote unquote bad traits that you may have and be like, yeah, I know I have them. Um, in the same way that there might be quote unquote good traits that you're like, no, I don't want to be patient. You know what I mean? And like, again, there's so much power that comes with almost being aware of maybe like what society says, what you've been taught, perhaps how you did show up, how you've been conditioned and then how you want to be going forward and making that decision for yourself. Right. And I think that's the misnomer. Like I remember, uh, like, I think it was two years ago, I was talking to someone and it was, I think a prospective client, right. We were just having like a a consultation or something. And they were like, how do you like, what is it that you're teaching people or something like that? And I was like, I'm not teaching people anything. Like, like, I think there's this misunderstanding or misconception that like a coach or an identity coach is I'm supposed to show you your identity or like give you an identity. I'm supposed Mm. to be a good person. Like, no, that's not the job. The job is to put you in a place where you can choose who you want to be. Like anyone that I work with, I'm not trying to make them someone. Like, I'm not trying to make you a great husband. I'm not trying to make you into some good societal person. But I want to put you in a place where you don't feel like you have to be someone and you can decide who you want to be. Like, that's the point of this identity work is creating your own identity, not matching an expectation. So friends, what you've just stumbled in on is me and my friend Matt having one of our standard Zoom conversations. And this is what we're like. We just start talking about things. And Matt had the bright idea at the beginning to just press record, right? Because we have these conversations and we're like, why didn't we record this? Why didn't we share this? And the irony was that we were getting on this call to talk about a potential episode that we wanted to record together. But this conversation has been great. So I was like, let's not just dive in and record this and see uh, where we get to. So You'll have heard at the end of that last bit, Matt, talking about um, 
some of the work that he does, but I'm going to just back up and give him the floor to explain a little bit about who he is, what he does when he talks about identity work, and just, Matt, introduce yourself to friends of the podcast that are now listening into our Wednesday evening Zoom conversation. <laughs> and I have a glass of wine, friends. This is how much of a chat this is. So if you hear clinking of a glass, that's what it is. I feel like I should go match your match your energy. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I am Matthew, Coach Matt to some folks, whatever you want to call me. Um, I, I have my favorite line from a little Wayne verse, if I can quote it really quick. He was, like, he, was call me, he was like, call me whatever you want. Just don't call me collector after 11 because the kids will be asleep. And like, I say that randomly to like older people <laughs> and especially like my favorite old white people. And I'll say that and they'll be like, wait, what? <laughs> and it's just so hilarious. I love it. Um, anyway, so <laughs> I am Matthew, Coach Matt, um, and I do identity work. And for me, it identity is being in choice, right? Um, and being in a space of deciding who you want to be. And and it's so important to me because for my whole life, like that was the struggle. Like I always felt like I had to be someone for someone else, or I couldn't be myself for some reason or whatever the case was it just it just never felt the the word that comes up right now is like clean like pure like uh genuine like that level of just like clarity and openness and just like it feels like a deep breath like I never felt like I could take a deep breath um and I was like always half suffocating so for me that like the identity work was getting to a place of being able to just breathe freely as who you are right being able to speak freely being able to feel freely being able to just just live your life without worry of what's going to happen next and what someone's going to say or what someone's going to think or what they're going to tell someone else and just just do what is right for you and 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 be that person and it's a hard journey right and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of courage and a lot of resilience and a lot of faith and a lot of uncomfortable growing and shifting your mindset and being wrong um and and I love it and it's my favorite thing to do um I love being wrong all the time because it's my it's my opportunity to learn and grow, right? Like I was reading um, 21 Laws, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, John Maxwell book. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before. And there was this part where he was saying that the misnomers of success and failure. And he was like, success is great because it builds your confidence in your ability. But failure is better because it gives you an opportunity to learn how to be better. Success doesn't give you that. You can't learn how to grow. You can't find your blind spots. You can't see where you missed an opportunity in success. You see that through failure. So for me, like, I love the work because I love failing because I love like the discomfort and the pushing the boundary and the, the all the stuff where I'm wrong because I want to be right. And I, I can't find like not being wrong a lot more. <laughs> no, I love that. And as you said, essentially your whole, that answer is the basis of this whole entire episode. So there are so many like questions I have off the back of that. I think 
I love that point about being wrong. I talk about in the welcome episode, almost like some, some guideposts for the soup that we're making in the kitchen that is identity soup. And one of them is that ability to, firstly, you said like sit in discomfort and be okay with that because that is where the growth happens. And the other is to be able to change your mind, right? Be able to be fluid with how you see the world, how you see yourself, how you see others. So I love that you said that, but just Skipping back to the beginning, and it was one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and it's actually not something we've so much spoken about yet, but you mentioned this idea that coming to identity work was personal for you, and it was for me, right? And friends that listen to the show have already heard me unpacking some of my identity stuff, which is why I'm so passionate about it. But would you mind just unpacking that a little bit more for us? So tell us a little bit more about your own identity journey and and getting to the point that you're at now. Yeah, it's, um, it is, uh, I was going to say smorgasbord and then I thought gumbo. Um, but it's just a big pot of all kinds of things. Um, so my mother is black from the East coast of the States. My father is middle Eastern. He's from Palestine. They met in LA Um, and then my mother's Christian, my father's Muslim. Um, so there's a lot of like different pieces that come together to kind of create the perspective I hold, which is why I think I feel, I feel blessed to have such a, such a puzzle piece of a background because it gives me, it gives me perspective and it allows me to see so many different viewpoints, right? A conversation with my black mom from the South of the States is very different than my Muslim dad from Jordan. Like they, they, I, I get to see so many different things and like hear so many different things, um, which allows me now to be able to, to see and understand so many different people. Right. But it all comes back to me learning to appreciate those parts and not look down on them. Right. To, to like see to see tuned and all of those things rather than like being a victim to being a victor. And, and that was hard, right? I grew up, I grew up as kind of like a, uh, outsider, right? So my, my mom was from the East coast. She moved after college over to the West coast, had me, you know, in an LA area. So I grew up a little Cali kid, right. With my flip flops and cargo shorts and very like, let's go to the beach dude type. Um, and then I transport over to Virginia, which is, you know, like East coast, um, Timberlands, you know, big puffy jackets, straight back braids, like a very different culture. And here I come like this super light skin, like well articulate, well, outside of that sentence, kind of kid. (laughs) 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 Um, And it it was just, it, it was different. And like, it wasn't until I started doing this work when I realized like, oh crap, I, I started being depressed in like eighth grade. Mm -hmm. Like, I started feeling like an outsider and alone. And like, as soon as I moved over here and I had no friends, my, my mom was an outsider in our own family, right? Like they, my grandparents made us share a single bedroom. And when my grandmother died, she left my mom a penny, literally wrote into a will, a penny. Right. And my mother had moved all the way across the country and spent like almost a decade taking care of them. It was crazy. Um, But to see all these things and to, and to, 
to experience them and to see how my mother would respond to things, to see how my grandfather, he was amazing, like half Cherokee, you know, six foot five, super slender uh, man, how he would respond to things. And, you know, just all these different, different scenarios. Now, looking back, I, I so greatly appreciate um, because, because they made me who I am and because now I value my identity right mm-hmm. now. I, I see those pieces as part of the big picture, right. Rather than, you know, looking at them as like problems or hurdles or things that I overcame or had to go through. It was like, no, I'm building a puzzle. Right. And mm-hmm. each puzzle piece is important for the picture. Right. And I want to see what the picture looks like. I'm not going to leave pieces out on purpose because they, they, they're part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. I need, I need the sunshine and I need the shadow behind the mountain. Like I need all of the pieces of the picture to make it come together. Um, and that only came with me learning to appreciate my identity and me learning to appreciate who I am and find value in where I am and have hope and faith in where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love, <laughs> I love that. And I think it's the power of podcasts and getting people to talk about their own experiences with identity, because although our experiences have been so different, I saw so much of my own story in yours, like listening to you talk about that. And again, back to those pieces, it's why it's soup, right? Identity soup. It's the different ingredients and it's that Amazing. I said like, right? no, you said, you said in the pot, you said in the pot, even still, I was like, it's, I swear guys, I'm not paying him to say this. He genuinely just said that. Oh my God. No, no, I loved it. That I, I, again, I heard soup. You said pieces, I heard ingredients. And I think that's the power of, of this. And so you talk about choosing and I think it, it relates to the work that you do with clients. And I love for you to explain that. So and you also talked about the work, which is one of those words that gets thrown around, but obviously everyone has a slightly different definition of what the work is, especially within the context of identity and choosing. So how do you get from where you were, you know, to, you know, when you're in that position of feeling like an outsider, seeing these pieces as, or the past as things that you have to hide from or run from or things you're embarrassed about to where you are now and this ability to see all of it, the good and the bad as crucial pieces, ingredients in the puzzle in the soup? Like what is that journey and what is that work? And, and specifically the work that you do with clients? Yeah, it's, it's slow, um, but it's intentional, right? Like there's one of the biggest things for me to, to learn in my own personal journey was that I wasn't racing anyone. It was like, I didn't, like, I wasn't, it, it wasn't so urgent that I needed to constantly live in a state of overwhelm or like anxiety. Like as long as I, which I guess if we took a step back would start with me shifting my perspective to living a more principle centered life Mm -hmm. rather than anything else centered, right? Whether that's relationship centered, which I had a past of being codependent, right? So whenever I would like find a girlfriend, like she would become my world and everything else would fall to the side, right? And so therefore, whenever the relationship would have issues, my life would have issues because the relationship was the center of my life. So when I shifted the center of things to being a principle centered, like value centered life and everything I do running through my values, then it, it disciplined my emotions and it disciplined my character mm-hmm. because now I, I don't have a choice, 
right? I'm not, I'm not going to be that person because it's written that this is the person I am. Right. And for me, like my, my four values are spirituality, growth, gratitude, curiosity, and anything that I do gets filtered through those four values before it comes out of my mouth, before I take an act, before I respond to a situation. Is it like, am I responding with gratitude? Like, is this, is this the most enlightened grown version of me? Like, am I being curious? Do I know all the answers before I make this judgment or assumption or statement? Like, have I asked enough questions? Right. And is this what a spiritual person would do? Like, am I, am I being a spiritual man right now? Like if I respond in this way and it, it, it disciplines my emotions. So that kind of starts the process, right. Is I had to go through that part first of disciplining who I was. And then once, once I got me in check in a way, then for the rest of the journey, it's, it's the exploration. And it's just like, Oh, that's interesting. Why did I do that? What was that about? Like, and I, and I literally just ask questions all day long because that's all we do anyway. Right. That's all thinking is, is just a process of asking questions is like, Oh, what does Lauren think? Oh, what should I say next? Oh, what was the question? Oh, what should I have for lunch? What am I going to do for dinner? Like, and it just literally all day, it's all we do. And I just got in a process of just learning to ask better questions to myself and like actually pay attention to what I'm doing without, without two things, without first judgment of making it wrong or bad or right, right? With with no judgment, right? It wasn't right or wrong. It was just what I did. Um, and then second, like giving myself the grace to work through that, right? Whatever that was. Um, and just, just letting myself explore it freely. Um, like even yesterday, I, I had a phone call with someone, some uh, a young woman I've been seeing, and she called me out on some stuff and it was good. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay, fair points have been made. That was a blind spot. I'm like, um, cause we had like a conversation that, you know, had high energy attached to it, <laughs> not in terms of like a yelling or anything like that, but like there was emotions attached to the conversation. Um, I love that framing, a high energetic conversation, <laughs> not an argument that was high energy. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> I love that. Um, and so yesterday she said, you know, sometimes it feels like you have this uh, preconceived script of how a conversation is supposed to go. And if it doesn't go that way, then your feelings get hurt or like it, your energy's off or whatever the case. And I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. Like, why would she say that? So rather than take offense, it's just like, is that something I have done? Like, and I, and I just explore it. Right. So then not only does it relieve me of my own self judgment and constant questioning of how I'm showing up and how I'm saying this and what someone's going to think, but it also allows me to be free of judging other people and getting upset right? Because I don't take stuff personal. It's like, oh, did I do that? Maybe. Oh, well, it's something to look at. Or it's like, oh, did I do that? No, I don't think I did that. Okay, cool. And I just keep moving. Like, it's not, it's not like, oh, how dare you and this and that. Like, what? Why? That's such a waste of my energy. <laughs> no, I, it's, uh, again, friends, I've not paid him to say any of this, but I love that response for so many reasons. Cause I think you really brought to life a number of things we've talked about theoretically in past episodes, I just want to flag. So the first thing I noticed you mentioned was this idea of something we talked about in episode two was this difference between being fragmented and having differentiation of personalities, right? And the example I used is that sometimes 
within relationships, we can find ourselves becoming completely consumed, right? Where we end up losing parts of ourselves and becoming just the partner of said person. And I think you talking about that and being able to get to that place of actually taking a step back and being now able to be in a situation, be in partnerships, but also be all of you is massive and huge. You also talked about, um, and it's funny because you've not heard the episode that I've just recorded that comes directly before us, but it is all about choosing. And you speak about it so effortlessly because you have been doing this work for a long time. But the episode that we have just unpacked the week before was starting to bring to light this awareness of our thoughts and our feelings, right? And the power that comes with becoming intentional with first just becoming aware of what we're thinking like that in itself is a skill of actually, instead of being just subconsciously driven by all of our thoughts and all of our emotions and all of our patterns, being able to take a step back, becoming aware, because from that place is where you can start to choose. And I think that's kind of ties beautifully into values. And again, we work very similarly with clients, which is that it always starts with becoming aware of our values, right? Knowing what our values are. And then from that intentionality, if you can learn how to take a step back and you can learn how to choose and get intentional with how you show up, you can then put it through that lens of going forward. So I just think. And, and even to add there, like, um, like even to shift the, the, the verbiage a bit from knowing our values to deciding them. Like choosing your values, like you can change those too. Like they don't have to be, they're not, nothing about your being is finite, like at all, except like maybe your physical structure, but that's not your being, that's your body. Like, and, and there's a difference. Like I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, they, they came, a few people came over, we sat on the deck and we were reading books and just taking turns, like talking about what we read out loud. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things, um, my friend had brought up was she was like how impressive actors are, how they could like be so in depth into a role and they actually take on the personality of it and, and how they have to like, you know, some people depending on the role have to like get help and therapy after to like, you know, work out of that, that role. And I was like, there's no difference in who you are as a person, Mm -hmm. right? You're living an immersive 3d movie where you've chosen the character you are and you live that character every day. And she was like, no, it's different when you do, when you do it because they're doing it on purpose. I'm like, but you're doing it on purpose too. Mm-hmm. You choose how mm-hmm. you speak. You choose how you're sitting right now. You choose if you get up in the morning and run or if you get up in the morning and have a bowl of ice cream. Like you choose every single thing the same way. Like you're deciding every part of your personality, your character, your identity, just like an actor. And if you wanted to, you can change your role, right? You can yeah. change your character if you decided to, right? And if you, if you saw, have you seen Cruella? The, the new no, one? I, no, the one with the Emma Stone, right? Yes. Yeah, I've not seen there, it yet. Okay, though. okay, okay. So I won't spoil it, but there's, there's a part where she does that, right? And for anyone who's listening, who's seen it, like, you know what I'm talking about? Cause it's, it's like, it's, it's visible. Um, mm. But she does that. And she was like, I, I know what it takes to be this other kind of individual to be like this fashion designer. And she was like, I'm not this poor street girl anymore. And she doesn't have a conversation with anyone. It's not some long drawn out journey of 25 years of discovering herself. Like it's no, I want to be this kind of person and I'm going to choose it and I'm going to decide it and I'm done. 
because mm-hmm. a decision only takes a moment, right? It only takes a moment to make these kinds of changes and these kind of like shifts in our life. Sure, the the work of like if I want to be a bodybuilder, the work of growing the muscles and getting the six pack and shifting my diet, that's going to take time. But the decision to be a bodybuilder is a second. Mm-hmm. Like I decide that. And and I think we get stuck in in looking at the process of the growth and and it becomes overwhelming to think that growth is hard, whereas the process is hard, but choosing to be someone who grows, choosing to be this better version of yourself, choosing to be whoever it is, like whoever you want to be, right? And and better version of yourself doesn't mean, like we said in the beginning, like societal expectation, it means more mm-hmm. authentic. It mm-hmm. means like more genuine and true version of yourself, self that's not limiting, self that's not like silencing or suppressed or all those other things. So yeah. No, I, yeah, I completely agree. No, I agree. And it's funny because I, it's funny that you talk about, because me and my uh, mum, so she was staying with me for this last week. We actually, funnily enough, had a similar conversation around method acting and the similarities. And I remember me being like the, the, and I say this with so much love, the like the nerd I was a child, like I always think about Sims, right? I always think about the level of time and energy and intentionality that I would put into choosing my Sims character. And I remember having this like thought a few months ago being like, wow, we probably put more time into a character that we would use to play an animated game than we do ourselves. Because it's kind of the same thing, right? And like, when you think about Sims and what it represents and you think about life and, you, you know, like there's so much, there's just, a, there's a lot of power in starting to think about that, that idea of becoming intentional. And I think that was the, the, the core of this show, this podcast was to start holding that space for people to start thinking about all these different parts that make up who you are. And actually the fact that there is a power that we maybe don't realize we have in terms of, like you said, a choice is a split second. Having said that, and I want to play devil's advocate, and this is something you and I talk about a lot as as, as friends in our own just chit chats. Um, the choice is quick. It is. Um, and there's, there's two counters on this that I'm curious on your take on. The first is, and there's a trap I've myself fallen into a little bit of when you start to really lean into this work and you know about these things theoretically, and you actually know how much power we do have over how we show up. The first question is like, how do you not become obsessed with that, right? How do you learn to balance that ability and that knowing that you can shape who you are and you can grow whatever that growth looks like and you can evolve versus also learning to be comfortable with just being as well, right? Just living and not constantly feeling like you should be tweaking your personality or tweaking your identity. Like, well, like, I'm just curious on your take on that. And then the second, which is a follow-up is, and this is something that we maybe a whole entire episode, which I just want us to, I want to seed it now. So we get into it is talking about the shit bit, right? Talking about the fact that growth does not have to be hard. It doesn't have to be long, but let's also be real and honest. This work is hard and it can be long and it can feel like shit. So it's like two questions. The first is what's that balance for people that are like, okay, cool. It's amazing. I know now the power I have. How do I not just become obsessed with, again, I think this is this notion of societal perfection and actually learning how to just be. And then the second question is, let's also just talk about the shit bit. So I don't, I honestly, before, prior to your question, I hadn't thought of it even as a balancing 
Um, so I'm glad that you're bringing this up. It's really, really good because in my entire perspective of it's, is that that's not the goal. Like the goal is not to be in constant maintenance mode, right? Mm -hmm. That's not living. That's like, and, and, and the, as you were asking the question, what came up to me is like thinking about my car and like, yeah, I learned how to drive it so that I could go places like not so that I could constantly learn like the degrees of the steering wheel and like how, like the perfect distance to push the pedal in to go exactly 62 miles. And like, those things are irrelevant. Like it doesn't matter. Like I learned to drive the car so I can live my life. Right. And, and when maintenance is needed, it's like the car alerts me. Like, it's like, Oh, look at that. Okay, cool. Let me pay attention to that and figure that out. Right. And then I continue living. Um, so I kind of, kind of feel that it's, very similar for me in terms of this this growth work is like I want I want to first have the skill set to learn to slow down, identify my things, like do the check-ins. I have to learn how to drive it first. I have to learn how to work my body and my mind and my identity and all these things. Um, but then once I learn how to work them, that that's just the basis. Then you use your body and yourself to live the life, right? Like constantly obsessing about learning how to work yourself isn't going anywhere it's like learning like checking all the stitches in your seats in your car it's like for what like what you're not doing anything um so for me i think i, I don't even see it as a, a balance thing but i do i do feel like the important part there is is being able to separate your value from your identity or like from your personality or however we kind of phrase that. Um, I love that. And, and what that I, a little bit more. Yeah, because I think that the hard part and why this gets overwhelming and why this become, creates anxiety or stress and all, it, it can spiral is because we make the connection that by working on myself, I, I am worth less, right? That that diminishes my value by my not being perfect. And those are very separate things. Like my value at all times is my value, mm -hmm. right? And me constant, me adjusting and tweaking and learning and growing doesn't improve my value. It doesn't make mm -hmm. me worth more or worth less. Like it's just what I'm doing, right? Like my car is my car. Like it gets me where I need to go. Like I do the maintenance to make sure it keeps working, right? And this is like, a kind of a flawed example because cars have a value on them, but like we would take that part. I out get of it. it. I love like, it. I like, love you know? it. I'm with you. I'm loving. I'm loving the analogy. Like, yeah, okay. Okay. Fair. Like I had to because I'm a science person. I'm like, wait, but wait a second. Like, no, I love that we haven't even got that in there. What's your day job, by the way, Matt? Just for friends, so they know what you do when you say you're a science person. You mean my background is space flight technology for NASA. Mm -hmm. So whatever. Maybe. So I think about the sciencey <laughs> side of things too. Um, also one of my filters because, and, and I honestly, in terms of identity, like that's a big part of it. I'm glad you kind of, you know, put a spotlight there mm -hmm. um, because I, I don't allow myself to be a hundred percent intuitive. Right. I also want to go through my logical filters of things. Right. And sometimes my emotions and my heart will say, Hey, this is where we go. Right. And then I have my other values that'll check it. Right. And it's a checks and balances system of my logic saying, Hey, well, let's, let's slow down and let's think this through for a, a quick second. Um, so all of this work, like it has to make sense, right? It has to make sense. And because our brains are literally like wired, like, mm -hmm. so like everything is traceable, 
like I was talking to someone the other day and, and something came up, some certain topic and it made them uncomfortable. And I was like, well, what, what about that makes you uncomfortable? And they're like, I don't know. And I was like, well, here's, can I, can I spoil the news for you a bit? Is that the part that makes you uncomfortable is a part of your story. Right. Mm-hmm. So it is somewhere in your history. It is a memory that you do hold an experience that you did live. Right. It like it wouldn't be there if it wasn't a part of your story. So although you may not know the answer right now, I just want you to know you do have the answer. Like it's there. Like it's not an emotional thing. Like, oh, I got to go figure it out by looking into the stars. Like, like, no, it, the thing that determines who I am is inside of me. Right. It's a part of my journey. It's a part of my story. It was maybe something my dad said over dinner when I was six or something my mom did when I was 18, leaving the house on the way to school. I don't know what it was, but it's there. Right. And having that awareness of, hey, it's just a part of my story. Right. Doesn't change who I am. Doesn't shift my value. Like I'm constantly worth. I don't even that's why I change the subject whenever I like get to that point of like my worth it because I don't even know how to like put a. I don't know how to contextualize. Language fails us. It doesn't, yeah, it's too big, the concept. Yeah, yeah. Of, of what our worth is. Um, it just is, right? This is, like, just, you are just worthy. Mm-hmm. Like, and you are worth, I, I, yeah, I don't even know how to finish the sentence. Like, it's really a struggle right now. Maybe, maybe you can help. Like, I'm really trying to figure out a way to- Well, like- I almost think it's like that there's a power in not boxing it, right? Like maybe, the, uh, again, I say like uh, language fails us sometimes. And I think this is one of those conversation topics where it, there is no words. And why should that be? Because it's big yeah. and it's like euphoric and it's like abstract and it just, it is, right? Our value and our worth, it just is. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll give you my pushback to that, right? And not not even pushback, right? We're just talking. Um, oh, we know we love that here. This is what the show is about. I know, I know, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> hit me, hit me. <laughs> um, in terms of answering the question, why must we? And I, th- for me, right, and this is a bit off the books, right? This is off the record between us and, you know, the few of us here at the table um, is... I feel like people don't buy it. Right. And that's the hard part is like, people want this big emotional draw. You have to tell them the story. And I'll even give an example from yesterday of my high energy conversation with my friend. Right. After about 40 minutes of the conversation, we got to this point where I was just, I, I was like, let me just say what I need to say plainly and the way I need to say it. Right. I just put it out. Right. I was frustrated. I was kind of at my breaking point and I just said what I need to say. Right. And I, I shared all the emotion. I shared the context behind it. I, sh- I shed a few tears as I was saying it because it, it meant a lot to me what I needed to get across. And she said, well, well, why didn't you just say it like that the first time? And I was like, because I'm at my breaking point. I'm frustrated now. Like, I don't want to have to say it like this. I would prefer to just tell you like very clearly in a simple sentence, like, this is what I need. Can you do that? Um, rather than go through this whole process to get to this part where you buy it because I've broken and I've put a definite little picture on it. Um, so for me, that's, that's the part that feels hard about this is, is as much as me and you and, and those of us here, like we can say that of like, I know that the blank means so much more and like, you are, you're worth like 
dot 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 right and and i get the 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 picture of that and like universe and like solar systems and the mm-hmm, same way i would mm-hmm. say like how big is the universe and you'd be like it's uh, uh and you can't compute what what unlimited looks like because everything mm-hmm. we as a human know has a beginning and an end we don't know unlimited we don't know limitless we don't know uncapped we don't know that so it for me in this work and I feel like maybe that's part of the biggest struggle of, of all of this work is getting people to see the picture in a, in a picture that's hard to draw, right? And, and getting them to see their value in a, in a sentence that's hard to explain of this is, this is how much you're worth. And they're like, well, how much? Well, this much. And it's, it's just, uh, you're worth everything. You are everything. And you're, you're, you and Mm -hmm. yeah that yeah I honestly and like (laughs) you're speaking and I'm listening and it's like I'm also thinking because I you're so right in how and it's fun it's something I've noticed in the conversation that we've had today and I've noticed it in all the conversations that we've had subsequently is that the word (laughs) But I love how you paint pictures. And it's something I've talked about on the show is often I'll use like random visual metaphors because I need to see it. And I think it's something you do so well is even your example of the car, right? You manage to take concepts that are quite abstract and I think sometimes inaccessible and you ground them in something that we've known, which makes it feel more accessible. And I think you're so right in that one of the biggest barriers to this work, and if I'm being completely honest, even me with what I know, with the work that I do and my theoretical understandings, I still have a part of me that sometimes questions all of it. I'm like, yeah, does this work? Is this a thing? <laughs> I got it's a secret, right? Like I, I did two identity coaches <laughs> on a podcast being like, this shit even real. And the thing is, I know it, I know it is. But I get it because I myself have moments where I question all of it. And I'm like, what? Like, like, I don't want to do it. It's too, it's too something. But then it's like, I think it comes back to the point you were making earlier about like, for me, I've learned there's a balance. And when I'm getting stuck in my head and the theory and it's just not aligning and I'm feeling abstract, I come back to living and being and just... Just, just existing, right? And living my life and finding joy in the things that I love and making myself happy and reminding myself who I, who I am right now in this moment, sat on my chair, drinking my wine. And yeah, and that just grounds me in like the reality of it all. But it, And that might sound like a tangent, but I'm just, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it's the elephant in the room and probably people that are listening to this and there might be episodes that hit and there might be episodes where they're like, what is she talking about? And I, I wonder if the episode previously where I'm talking about thoughts and feelings and unpacking some of the work that Joe Dispenza does and things we talk about. And I actually like have shared the link in the show notes. If you guys have watched it, the Ted talk that Matt introduced me to, which is how our brain hallucinates our conscious reality and all of that stuff, which is super interesting. And again, it gets the science side of me, but there is also this big elephant in the room, which is like, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is like, that exactly. real? Like, is that real? And I think that's, to the point I made earlier, it's one of the shit bits is those moments when you are like, is it worth it? And is it yeah. real? And yeah. do I believe this? And I mean, I, I love that that's, that you just shared that because I mean, that thought in itself 
is proof of self-reflection, mm-hmm. right? Asking the questions, because that's all we're doing all day, right? Is asking questions and, and that's it. So I think if you, re- if anyone listening here, or anyone here with us at the table, like relates to that, that's your proof that you're doing the work, right? Because the people who aren't doing the work aren't asking. They're not asking if it's working. They're not asking if they're growing. They're not asking if like, if who they are matters. Like they're not asking these questions. Like if you're asking them, you're growing, it's undeniable. So like that part is it because it is confusing because it is unknown because we don't know what's next when we, when we're crafting our identity, we, we don't know how the world's going to respond. We don't know what the next step is going to look like. And it is always confusing and it's always a leap of faith. And it's always just, I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't really know if this is working or not, but I it's, I'm here and I'm living. <laughs> yeah. And there's something in what you were saying where I almost feel like there's this also like, messy juxtaposition between the fact that it's always done and never done, right? You are always at the most complete point and there is always an unlimited more to go, right? Like I joke about the fact that identity and like working with me eight weeks, at the end of the eight weeks, it's not like complete it, like kill it, got my identity, like done for the rest of my life. Like, no, because to your point, it's exploration and it's growth and it's curiosity and it's allowing yourself to change your mind about who you are now based on who you used to be or who you're becoming. And at the same time, it's also the ability to always know that you're always like complete, right? Like it's like, it's not, and it's like, for me, I talk about it from the move from self-developing to self-deepening, which is moving from this idea that there's like, I need to add parts to myself that I'm not whole and I need this to be more whole or more me. And it's like, no, no, I'm me, but I'm just growing and leaning and expanding in different directions and different stages of my life and different times of my life. Yeah. There's like, there's so much in us. Like as you were sharing that, like the thing that came up was like, we've been looking at the stars for how many hundreds and thousands of years (laughs) we've been diving into the ocean for how long? Like, and Oh, we're not done. No. Oh, there's, there's more to explore. Oh, that's crazy. Like, and then, and we're the same way. Like there's, we're the, we're an ocean, like we're a universe. Like there is so much in us to, to look at. And, and that's just on a physical realm, right? Like even when you look at the consciousness side of things and there being mm-hmm. two sides of our consciousness really like, right. I talk about this a lot when I do like a live event or like a group thing is we always start with understanding mindset. And understanding that we as beings live two lives simultaneously. And so many people don't recognize that. Like you live on one side, your 3D immersive experience of being a a being, right? Being a live animate object on the planet, right? You can, you move your hands and you take your steps and you you breathe in and you digest food and like you're a, a living organism, and you get to experience the world, right? You get to touch things and go places and, and try stuff. But then also you live the life of yourself as consciousness, right? And you get to expand out of that and see yourself as a character in the bigger picture. And you get to see how your character interacts with its parents and with its siblings and with its coworkers. And, and you get to look back over its life, over its past and potential future. And you get to see its trajectory and how it's responded to things. And you get to see how this character's evolved over time, like you're watching a movie. And there's so much to explore when you, when you understand you have 
have both worlds accessible, right? You can not only explore the world that you have at your fingertips, literal fingertips, but you can also explore the consciousness side of the world of who you are as a, as a being in the bigger picture. And you can then start crafting in identity engineering and saying, okay, well, if the character tended to respond to situations like this, and it's over, over the last 10 years, it's, over, it seems like it's led them into these kinds of situations. Well, let me shift, you know, the same way you were talking about Sims, like, let me adjust the character things. Right. So that they better respond. Right. When I'm playing Mario Kart, like or when I'm playing like, you know, the racing game at the arcade, like I pick the Lamborghini and then I do the engine upgrade because I want it to go faster. And then the next time I do like the booster upgrade because I want it to go like and I'm adjusting it each time to make it better and better and better so that I can improve my chances of success. And we have to look at our identity and ourselves the same way. Like it's there's nothing wrong with upgrading. Like there's nothing wrong with becoming better. It doesn't mean that my Lambo sucked in the beginning. Like, but I want to, fa- I can, I can go faster. Like <laughs> I, my Lamborghini was worth a lot to start with. Like we're worth a lot to start with. Doesn't mean like you can't be better. No, I, I, yeah, I, I love, I mean, I love, I'm just like, yes to this conversation, but I think <laughs> the small detail I like really picked stood out to me. And what you just said was, I love how you said you started with, with the Lambo, right? And I think for me, I think there's a power in also checking, you know, you also mentioned success. And I think there's a power in checking your definition of success is why I think that's a part of, of this identity engineering is what you called it, because it's also thinking about checking your benchmarks, what you think you're moving towards, what you think success looks like, what you think growth looks like that is likely to change as you grow and evolve into different parts of yourself. And I think there's a power that you might've started with a Lambo and the upgrade for you might be insert. I know nothing about cars, but like a Ford Fiesta from 2009, right? Because it's like, (laughs) I think, and I want to say that it's like, it's that ability that what success and growth looks like might not be what you think it should look like, might not be what the world told you growth and success should look like. And that there's so much power in that as well of like, as you do the work, where you're trying to get to will change because you'll start to lean into more of what feels right for you versus what perhaps you were told in those like first few years of your life and what built those initial programs. I'll give you a perfect example. Like when, so when we moved from um, California to Virginia, my grandma had a 1991 Burgundy Toyota Camry, right? It was, it was her car and it was the only car we had as a family, right? So it was like the car. And then when when my cousin lived with us as well, and when he went to high school, my grandma let him drive the car. And I was so jealous, right? I was this middle schooler. My cousin who was in high school had a car. He was driving around. He was hanging with his friends. Like I knew he was hanging out with girls. Like, and it just <laughs> like made me so, ugh. So when my grandma passed, she left the car to my cousin. She never once let me drive it. So for the last few years, not even the last few years, but like for the few years past that, um, I told so many of my friends, when I make money, I'm buying a 1991 Burgundy Toyota Camry, right? And I'm like 25 at this point telling my friends this. And they're like, why the hell would you ever buy a 91 Camry? And like, not because I'm never going to drive it. 
And I tell them like, I'm never going to drive it. I just want to have it because I like, and if we like dive into the identity part of it, mm-hmm. right. past the surface of, yeah. I want to feel seen by my grandmother. And this is like a way that I can self-soothe that wound. But like, we don't need to talk about that. We'll stay on the surface. Although, I mean, um, I kind of want to talk about that. Like, you know, it's me. Like, I'm like, like, there's so much in this. There's so much in this. And like, I would love to go back to, no, no, let's write as we're here for people. I know you just say that, like, you know, just, yeah, I'm just, just self-soothe that, that again, talking about self-awareness. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Like, why, why is that? What is that? like what is that specific thing yeah like, so I think that awareness because so many we all have that we all have these things that we do and we don't really understand why and as we both said earlier it tracks back to childhood so that just yeah explain why for people buying that car would be self-soothing like just unpack that whole experience I think for me the part that's really important here is I don't make myself wrong for having feelings like period like and as a kid this is how I felt. And I don't say that I didn't feel that. And I don't say I was wrong as a kid for feeling that. It's how I felt. And my grandmother died and we can never have a conversation to resolve it. And that is a wound that needs to be resolved in some sense. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take care of it for myself, right? Not because anyone would ever care what I spent at whatever point I buy this car, probably $300 on, like no one's going to care. And I'll probably buy it and then just give it away to some kid who needs a car. Like, I just want to have it for two seconds just to close that chapter. Right. And and have that awareness around it without it being a problem. Right. I don't, like I said, I don't make myself wrong for feeling that it's, but I can take the, I can take the time to explore and be like, why do I want to do the things I want to do? Yeah. Right. Why do I care about this? Why is this important to me? Why for all these years have I had this draw to this old car? Right. Mm-hmm. For what? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think the craziest thing to do in life is to have these thoughts and feelings and not ask the question, like to, exactly. to be on autopilot to be like, Oh, this is just who I am. It, but why mm-hmm. you don't care to know Like, you don't care to be the one who takes control of your life. Like, whenever I'm talking to someone and I ask them something and they're like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, well, who should I ask? Like, who, who, like, can you, can you give me their number if they would know? Because, like, who's making your decisions for you if it's not you? Like, you're the one. And I think that was, yeah, (laughs) that was the point I was kind of cycling back to, which I think was a beautiful example. And it's a thread that's been in this conversation so far and just the work that both of us do is, all those questions, right? And, you know, I think we've jumped around it, but I think it's this idea that that in itself is the work and that in itself is growth and that awareness of asking yourself a question and learning more about yourself and holding compassion for whatever it is that you learn. But also I think a really crucial point that you dropped in was this idea that a lot of what we do now, a lot of how we show up now, a lot of things that maybe trigger us now are often linked to wounds, from parts and experiences of our life that perhaps have not been resolved or we've not been able to sit with or we've not been aware of. And so I just wanted to reinforce that point because that in itself is massive, right? This idea and this narrative around having an inner child and this idea around a lot of how we show up now being massively impacted by who we were as kids. That is just a point I wanted to stick on and reinforce because I know for us and the work that we do, it's, you know, we we, we talk about this regularly, but I think still for some people, this might be 
the beginnings of them sitting with this idea of actually a lot of who they are now, whatever age they're at, is still being driven by perhaps things that happened when they were three, four, five, 17, 18, whatever it was. But yeah, yeah just that awareness so piece is I want to I want to uh, just tack something onto that. I want to add to it to give maybe some uh, clarity that can potentially be liberating for yes. someone here. Because um, I think the clarity... Like I, I did a, an event recently and they were like, oh, it's a motivational speaker. I'm like, I'm not, I am not motivational, but I will give you the truth. And I think when you find out the truth, like you feel more motivated because you start seeing things clearer. Right. So that, that's what I kind of wanted to share. Um, I have, I have a fire alarm at my house. It's pretty close to my kitchen, actually downstairs from where I am now in the office. And it has gone off probably 15 times since I've bought this house. And never once has it gone off because the house was on fire. Like it's only ever gone off because I'm like frying chicken or I left the bread in the oven, like, or some other reason, like, and it, it just, it's off. Right. And it's when that happens, like, and I want to just play through this idea all the way fully so that it makes sense when I, when I bring it back, um, when it happens, I don't run outside and like call the police, like, because I know what's going on in the, I know the house isn't on fire. Right. I like, I'll, I'll crack a window, maybe turn a fan on and I'll turn the fire alarm off because like, I'm safe. I know I'm safe. So when it comes to triggers and our reactions, and the way that we just naturally or feel like we naturally react to things, I feel like it's really important to know the function of the amygdala part of our brain, which basically functions like a fire alarm. That's all it does is it says, oh, triggered, like, oh, eh, 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 eh. And what a lot of people do is they hear the fire alarm and they run outside. But how dumb is it to run outside if you know you're cooking chicken, right? You know, like everything is not an emergency. We and it's this. up to you as the owner of the house to be like, hey, this isn't an emergency. Let me just turn off the fire alarm, right? And a lot of times when we get triggered, we just respond like, oh, you did this or you said that. Like, no, not necessarily. It's just your body sensed something that reminded you of something from your past, a wound, a hurt, a, a thing, right? And your fire alarm went off. Now you have the responsibility to say, hey, am I in danger or am I safe? Is the house on fire or is it shrimp, right? Which one is it? And then make the choice to, to like act with intention, right? Because if, if it is an emergency, cool, I'm going to leave. But if it's not, then I'm going to turn it off and I'm going to calm down and be okay, Right. And understanding that the brain just naturally responds that way. Right. It's not it's not a you thing, but it's a you thing. Like it's a it's a mechanical thing that your body is going to get triggered because it wants you to stay alive. But that doesn't mean that you have to be triggered. Right. Your body will be triggered, but you don't have to be triggered. And I think that's a really important clarification to make that you you can just turn off that little part. Just just press the button. It's OK. Like, relax a bit. Like, you're safe. Right. And understanding that we have that control over that. Thank you so much for that. And it comes back to what I said about your gift of being able to take such abstract ideas and just ground them in experiences that we know. Right. But I think for me, even just hearing you talk about it like that, it has made it 
almost clearer in my head of the role of pausing, right? That idea of now when I have that bodily reaction, that impulse to be triggered, I think now it's going to be anchored to this idea of like, okay, Lauren, that's a fire alarm. And even that awareness, even yeah. that pause, even snapping yourself out of the software that would just have had you on autopilot, you wouldn't have even been aware that you'd been triggered. You would have just gone through the pattern, right? This happened. So now I do this. I think you giving that visualization, even just for me, I'm like, okay, cool. Now I'm going to be like, okay, fire alarm. Now I have the decision to look What's to my left. Up? What's going on? Is it that I'm burning some chicken or is it that I need to run out and get help? But that in itself is so powerful because that's the pause. That's the consciousness. That's the intentionality concepts that can feel quite abstract, but grounding it in day to day, a fire alarm has gone off. Take a moment to realize, is there something that I'm cooking that's on fire or should I get help? Right. Not just go through the motion. So just Thank you. I love that. So good. So good stuff. But like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like when we, when we put the clarity to it, when we put like the, the sciencey side of things to it, right. And then it's like, then it becomes a lot less overwhelming of, I get triggered and I, I respond this way or, and I'm a bad person and I can't control my feelings and I can't, and, and all that self-talk negativity to know my body works this way. Like, I never get surprised when I stand up. Like, it's like, oh, no, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Like, no, like, I, like, my body stands up. Like, it does this. Like, so I shouldn't get surprised when I get triggered. Like, my body does this. Like, it's a thing. Let me remove the power from it because it's not some mysterious thing behind a cloak. Like, no, it's a scientific thing that happens in my body. It's, it's a safety mechanism. Like, cool. Let me learn how to use it. Let me learn how to work my body so that I can go live. Like if I'm, if I'm a victim of triggers and I'm not living, I haven't learned how to work my body yet. Like it doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm stuck. Right. I'm con- And that's why we talk about this karmic thing. Right. If you want to bring spirituality into it, like you continually learn the same lesson. Yeah. Cause you have to learn how to work your body, right? If your car is not aligned and it keeps going to the left, it's going to keep going to the left until you get it aligned. Like you're going to keep learning the same lesson until you learn it. Like, <laughs> I love that. So many gems, so many gems. I'm just very aware of time. And I know what me and you yes, are like, like I we know. do this. This is why we talk every week because <laughs> we can talk every week. Um, but, and I'm also aware that we're like those people, you know, we're at a party and you've almost got to start leaving half an hour before you actually want to leave because there's always going to be something, but there are two core parts that I would love to get in the end of this podcast. And the first is I like to leave people with a tool, something tangible, something they can do and exercise or questions that can take some of what we've discussed today and support them in integrating it into their life. So I'm just curious, do you have anything that comes to mind that friends at the table today can can think about, can use a way that they could contact you, just anything, a tool that we could leave people with that can make some of this a bit tangible and, and something they can integrate into their life? I mean, I think you did a wonderful job of doing the fire alarm pause, like that stop, stop, drop, I, pause. I Like that is the perfect tool. Like if you feel, and like what I have started calling it is like emotional inflammation. Like when I feel like my emotions getting riled up, like my blood pressure, whatever the, whatever my specific emotional cues are, I'm like, okay, cool. What's happening. Let me pause. Right. So I would say for one, start paying attention to what your, how your body tells you you're triggered. 
right? How do you know you're triggered? Like, what does that look like for you as a person? Like, does your blood pressure go up? Do you get angry? Do you like, do you cry? Do you freeze? Do you, like, what are the things? And then exactly what you said, right? Start pausing when you identify that you've, you've had that, right? When the alarm's gone off, start pausing and just assess the situation. Hey, what, what's going on? Is the house on fire? Or is it just something small that I can just take care of? Like I'm, I'm, I'm safe. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is phenomenal. That's so good. I love that. I love that. And the second part I'd love to do. So I have this quick fire round where I want to ask a few questions and I just want that implicit instinctive response if you're ready. And it's just a few uh, questions. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Amazing. And it's like no more than say a sentence, which I know we're not very good at. Um, but um, okay, cool. So when you're ready, let me know and we'll just yeah. go. I'm ready. Amazing. So question number one, a part of yourself that you're embracing more? Um, my sexuality. Mm. Love that. But okay. no, Look, so many it. questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's for the after after show. Okay, second one. A habit, belief, or characteristic that you're releasing? Um, procrastination. Mm, love that. An everyday yeah. moment of joy. Fresh air. Mm-hmm. Like anytime I like my fresh, my first breath outside always feels like a blessing. A song that makes you want to dance. A song that makes me want to dance. Yeah. Uh, holy crap. Um, the first thing that came to mind was Happy by Pharrell. Yeah. Like, but that's so obvious. Ugh. I'm going to think about that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we want, we want the first response, but yes, um, yes. A quake, oh, this is going to be good with you. Okay, so a quake book that shook up your life. And I call them quake books because they're the kind of books where <laughs> maybe you start and you end, you're just not the same person. Mm. The Greatest Miracle in the World by Ogmandino. Small little book, quick. You can read it within like within five days. Um, yeah, that was one that really, yeah, that did some things. I love that. A favorite soup. Got to ask, right? Identity a soup. Favorite soup. Does I feel does chili count? No, chili's not soup. It's in a bowl it's and it's ingredients. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? I make the rules. I love chili. <laughs> you make it in a pot. We're calling it a soup. Yeah. Don't at me. Uh, <laughs> and. Finally, um, if an imaginary person saw you when nobody else was watching, what would they say? Jeez. What would they say? (sighs) Holy crap. (laughs) That is a hard (laughs) one. That's what they'd say. Uh, Oh, man. Um, They would say he's probably tired. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> aren't we all aren't you know, like, we that's the all. thing we came up like i've been busy. I, feel that. I feel that i feel that it's yeah. true right i feel that Ah, oh, so this conversation has been beautiful um and friends you really have sat in on just like one of our standard <laughs> chats but i'm so glad you asked me to press record and i think it's just reinforces the 
the realness, the rawness and the authenticity. Um, so I get to hang out with you all the time, but for friends that have listened and loved what you're saying and your perspectives and want to learn more about how they can reach you and work with you potentially, um, where can people find you? Um, I am Coach Matthew Hayes everywhere on Facebook, on dot com, on Instagram. I just got a Twitter, so I'm going to start that um, mm-hmm. soon. I'm a little excited. Uh, yeah, but Coach Matthew Hayes <laughs> everywhere. I love that. Um, and before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to share with everyone? Um, what? Just give yourself a chance to see what life is like when you're you is the message that came to my heart just now. It's like, we spend so much time living our life as what we think we're supposed to be and who we think we're supposed to be. And like, just just go out on a limb and like take that leap of faith. And what would it be like if it was, if it was you calling the shots? Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. Friends, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show and hang out with me today. I've loved it. I also love keeping these conversations going. So as always, any questions or thoughts or suggestions or insights that really hit, drop me a message. I would love to hear about it. And those DMs are always open. And you can find me at Lauren Aisha RC on Instagram. And as always, any shares or ratings and reviews are massively appreciated it just helps build out this incredible community of ours and the more of us we have out in the world exploring and unapologetically living in our truth the more we give others permission to do the same so thank you and i appreciate you 